This is Damon Udicek, and this is the Ideal Money Life Podcast. This is my journey to build a business from zero to $1 million in 12 months. I'm going to experience a lot in the next 12 months. I'm super excited about the journey. I can't wait to share my failures, my successes, and everything in between. All right, let's do this. Good morning. I am off to my day, and I I wonder if I hit a breaking point uh, yesterday. I ended my day, and as I was driving home, I had a, a large sense of overwhelm. And I've had, you know, many questions, not many, I've had some questions that have run through my mind since then. Am I trying to take on too much? How much longer can I do this? And there certainly has been some self-doubt over the last six weeks. Uh, I've put myself out there and sharing myself on the podcast and also on the blog. And, you know, I've gotten people that have responded that they enjoy what I'm reading, that that uh, I haven't really heard any responses on the, the podcast yet. Uh, however, it's only been out for a little over a week. And there's also been a question of, am I just spinning my wheels on some things? I did feel like working on the book Traction, the first step on that was to build my let's say accountability chart where you're basic where I'm basically outlining the different positions and accountability personnel for the business. And I, I felt like that was simplifying things in some regards and it was also buoy buoying me up a little bit. The because it was giving me some structure. I had a conversation with someone last week. He knew a restaurateur that had four restaurants. And these were hamburger restaurants. And, you know, he was having a meal with him and the guy was just like, I'm I'm just, uh, just overwhelmed. Things are just out of control. I just, I, I can't keep doing things like this. And he met with, uh, my, my friend met with this guy a little while later and he made some pretty big changes. He hired some people, um, and ended up turning this restaurant into franchise. And I think he said it was like two years later. And there were 3,900 of these restaurants nationwide. 
and, and the fact of the matter was, is this restaurateur couldn't do it all. And we, we talked further about leverage. And a lot of people talk about building systems and getting the right people in place. And as we talked about it further, my friend made the comment to us is that we're not, some people have the wrong idea about leverage. A lot of, a lot of the things that we hear about as leverage is that we need to be able to build systems and, you know, if we, if we you know, for instance, within the, the, the realtor industry, if you hire one person as an admin, typically you can increase your the number of houses you sell by more than 80%. And the reason being is you're removing yourself from activities that are cheaper to hire out. Um, and you're removing yourself from being the bottleneck in the business. And in my experience and in, in watching other people, the business owner is the biggest bottleneck in the business. I certainly have been. And the reason for the lack of growth in my business from time to time has been my fault because I was a bottleneck. And... it has prevented me from being the best service provider that I could be. You know, when I was growing up, the, um, the U S army had a, an advertising campaign. And one of those campaigns was be all you can be. Um, there was also one that was, we do more before 6am than most people do all day. Um, and I would kind of chuckle at that now because, um, there were times when I was in the army that that was true. And then it was just like, why is that something to be proud of? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just laugh about that now. Um, but the thing is, is when we are at the beginning stages of our business, we typically have time. As the business grows, time becomes extremely scarce. And that's why people start hiring other people. Initially, it's so that the business owner can remove that bottleneck from the business. And so it can, so it can buy back some of his life. Uh, I've, talked, I've talked before about how owning a business is a enticing seductress what ends up happening is it's this huge puzzle you start to it's all a jungle mess when you first start and i don't care how much experience you have when you first start a business it's all brand new and you have got to move pieces around and you've got to start to solve the puzzle well, what ends up happening is solving that puzzle 
is deeply rewarding because you're creating something. I would venture to say that creating a successful business is probably one of the most creative acts that people make. There are so many varying aspects of a business that there's constant problem solving. There's constantly coming up with a solution to serve a customer that's not that's better than what's being done currently. Here's the thing is if you're a me too business where you're just doing what everyone else does, you may have some limited success, but your business has a glass ceiling until it finds a way to serve a particular group of customers better than anyone else does. Um, And I believe sincerely that whatever business you go into, the world doesn't need another one of that. If you're going into the realtor business, the world doesn't need another realtor. If you're going into the accounting, the world doesn't need another accountant. There's plenty of realtors and accountants already in the world. Now, one way you can improve your odds is to pick a niche. So you can be the best accountant that works with realtors. Or you can be the best realtor that works with IT engineers. And then what you do is you become so good at serving that community that you become the only game in town. You became the expert for that community. And you can start to give more to that community because you're focused in who your customer is. I would say that the the first most important question to ask yourself when you get into business is how much money do I want to earn? And I will tell you, I've I've talked to many, 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 many people about that and they cannot answer that question. The second most important question is who is my ideal customer? And this is a question that many people can't answer as well. However, what I will tell you is when I finally decided after 10 years in business to hone in on my ideal customers, it changed everything for me on how I've decided to build my business. So I'm going to return back to the leverage question, the leverage item that I talked about earlier, because I think this is really important. So getting back to what we were saying, the when we're talking about leverage, if your business is going to grow it's and you're good at what you're doing, it's going to grow beyond the point where you physically and mentally have the capacity to manage that business. And then you get to, grow, you get to a breaking point where you have to make a decision. Either you're going to grow or just stay where you're at. And if you can't, if you, everything either grows or dies. 
And so in order to continue to grow, you have to be able to remove yourself from the areas of your business that are not your best area of genius. Now, the zone of genius is um, a phrase coined by someone else. It's not my own idea. But the concept is, is that we have strengths that we are world class at. And then we have other areas of our lives. Um, and usually the things that are strengths are the things that are easy for us to do. And they're magic for us to other people. And what we have to do is we have to figure out a way to establish different systems in our business so that we can remove ourselves from the business and put other people in the business. And then the, there's two components that we have to have the right system, but we also have to have the right person. And I had this conversation with, with my friend and he said that what he's, you know, he talks with people from time to time and, you know, they're, they're growing, they're growing, growing. And then they say, all right, I've got this perfect person who's going to make my life wonderful because they're going to take over my marketing or they're going to become my admin. And then six months, a year later, he goes back to them and he's like, well, how's that guy working out? Oh, he fired. He was worthless. And the truth of the matter is, is the, the business owner hired that quote unquote worthless person was the reason, was the reason why that person didn't work out. And I've seen this in my own life where I hire someone and I just want to hand the work off and I don't do a good job grooming that person and making the, and helping them become successful. And I what ends up happening is it just is a recipe for disaster. You know, the first step is I've got to find, I've got to define who that role is. Then I've got to determine what the, the right person is for that role. And then I hire based on those attributes. I don't hire just anyone. And I have a pool of candidates for that position. And then it's my role to coach that person to get up to speed. And then that person needs to become responsible for that job position. And I have to let them fail because they're going to fail. And I have to make it a safe place for them to fail. And I have to remove myself from being the decision maker in that position as well, which is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. But I have to be willing to let that person fail as long as they're progressing in that position and they're the right pers person for that position. And the, um, the book Traction, which uh, was written by Gina Wickman, has a very, very simple people analyzer in there and we have to be real and say is this the person that's the right person for this position is this the right position period so we either got the right position with the wrong person in it we've got the wrong position with the right person in it or we could have also wrong position wrong person 
and then we can have right person, right position. So those are, the, I think, the four four possibilities that are available there. And so it's our job as a business owner to direct how the people in our business are added. When, we, when we're getting back to leverage, the reason why leverage is important is it allows us to get to our zone of genius. And as long if we're not in our zone of genius, we can't make our business unique. And so what we have to do is focus on building systems in our business at the beginning because there will not be time to do it later. Um, I remember a quote from someone who said, if you don't have time to do it right now, what makes you think that you're going to have time to fix it tomorrow? In our businesses, we're continually making systems and then we grow and then the growth breaks those systems. And so it's a continual process of improving our systems and we have to continually be building and revamping our systems for what we want our business to be in the future. And so the reason why we need leverage in our system is because if we don't build the systems in our business and get the right people in our business, our businesses will break and or they will break us. We just will not be able to manage any growth. Getting back to my question from an earlier uh, moment, when I first started is I felt like I, I had a breaking point yesterday and I felt like I was experiencing more overwhelm than I wanted to deal with, which means that I'm bumping up against my capacity. I've already decided that I'm going to grow. So now the question is, is how do I remove items from my plate that are not going to negatively affect my business because there's higher priorities. When we feel like we have too much on our plate, the reason we feel that way is because we do have too much on our plate. There's two options. Either we get a bigger plate or we remove things from our plate. And initially, removing things from our plate is the easier option, but we're still going to run into a situation where that plate is going to get full, and the only way to move beyond that is to get a new plate, which requires certain investments. So with that, I'm going to close for this morning, and I hope you have a great day today, and I'll be back in touch. I'm, I'm looking forward to today being a day of less overwhelm uh, and also a bit of clarifying of getting back to my zone of genius. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. It is the end of my day and I'm heading home. It's just after 530. And uh, I ended up, it's, it was a Tuesday today. So one of the things that I, that has ended up happening with me on Mondays and Tuesdays Typically, in the past, what I've done is I've tried to prevent myself from having any meetings at all on Mondays and Tuesdays. So those can be 
strictly uninterrupted work days. And today that didn't end up happening. I ended up having two meetings in the morning, and I actually drove to those meetings. One was out of, um, as a courtesy rather than, um, uh, well, actually both were, were courtesies. Um, however, um, typically I'll either do a, a, an in-person meeting or uh, I like doing Zoom meetings. Zoom meetings are really great because they can be recorded. So there's some travel time associated with that. Um, and I want to say that I've been really, I'm really proud of myself for, for tracking my time for the last week and a half. Um, I'm, I'm happy about that because uh, now that'll be done with uh, on on Sunday, I'm gonna go ahead and review my time and how I spent that, and then determine how much. I just heard some some thunder um, coming down, but and then what I'll be doing is I'm gonna set goals for myself to. Um, continually improve how I'm using my time. And I remember for a lot of my career, I didn't like to track time. I, I was required to track time for that was allocated towards billable work. Um, however, it got to be a bit tedious. But now I'm finding that um, since my intent behind tracking time has changed, um, what the reason why I'm tracking my time is to see how much of my time I'm spending in each area of my life. And then I can structure my time so that I'm moving myself closer and closer towards working only in my zone of genius. That'll be a process, but without measuring the use of my time, I'm just guessing. I'm just throwing a shot in the dark. That is one thing that I'm happy that I've done in uh, it'll it'll establish a habit, and then what I'm foreseeing is going to end up happening is that over time, instead of tracking my time, I'll be scheduling my time. And also, what'll end up happening is there'll have to be some buffer time in there to handle. Just I can't be so tightly scheduled that I'm not uh, having flexibility for things that are going to. Um, things that are going to pop up from time to time. Uh, however, the more I control my time and am the master of it, the better results I will get over time, as long as I'm directing my time. I just about got my funnel done today for um, my, my uh, ClickFunnels funnel. I was listening some... I've got, I've got my, first, my, my first official ClickFunnels coaching session on... Thursday, and so I was reviewing my I was reviewing the information I got uh, from my ClickFunnels coach, and one of the things that I recognize is that I had a, a number of tasks that I need to complete before uh, I meet with him on Thursday, and so most of them are watching videos. Um, however, and I and I was listening to those videos in a passive nature. And what I determine is, you know, listening in that 
form doesn't require me to think into what I'm listening to. And so what could end up, what has, I'm getting the knowledge, but I'm not really applying that knowledge and I'm not internalizing that knowledge. So what I've decided to do is to focus 100% and on that specific training because I've made this investment in the coaching. I don't want to be a passenger in that. So I want to be as prepared as I can be when I I'm, I'm do this um, training so that I get the most out of my money. Um, that uh, I, I suspect that I'll get a lot of that done um, on... Um, Actually, tomorrow I should get most of that done tomorrow. Um, the I felt really good at getting the funnel done. The only thing I've got to do is I've got to record two more videos, and they're not very long videos, like maybe three, four minutes each. And then I'll have to do um, some slight edits because sometimes I do like to cut out some dead air. I also like to remove the ums and ahs if it makes sense. However, when I've watched other people's videos, I've noticed that those filler words aren't really, they're not really that distractive when I'm listening to someone. I'm going to have those videos recorded in the morning. I've got a couple couple more meetings planned tomorrow than I had thought I was going to have. And so it'll be one of those situations where I'm going to have to find little projects to work on throughout the day that I can complete in a short period of time. And that will enable me to be as effective as I can. And this gets back to really reviewing how I'm using my time and then restructuring my time so that um, I can work in blocks of time and be as effective as as effective as I can. Uh, the I've got my coaching. I've got. It's interesting. I've got a number of different coaches that I work with. Um, and the the monthly coaching call that I've got uh, tomorrow is I did my prep work with it, and as part of that coaching package that I got with him, I got a basically. Um, a three-ring binder, and the pages in the three-ring binder are, are essentially half of the page. So normal page is eight and a half by eleven. So these would be um, whatever that is. Fold that paper, um, the eleven. So five and a half by four, something or whatever. Um, yeah, five and a half, and so. Um, for there's a, there's a couple different activities that I have in this group. One is a, the one-on-one coaching session, and then uh, a day or two later after that is the monthly accountability group. So there's a mastermind group that that I work with, and then once a quarter we have our two-day masterminding session, and that's going to marry really well with the EOS, EOS business systems I'm setting up. And 
so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that set up. So what I did this afternoon is I spent an hour preparing for my uh, session with my coach tomorrow and basically reviewing what I'd done over the last month. And then, you know, one of the questions was, what did I learn from what I've done over the last month and what do I plan on doing? What do I, what, what do I, what will I do or what um, do I, what, what additional things will I do because of what I've learned from, from what I worked on in the last month? The other thing that I did is I went ahead and listed the items that I want to talk about tomorrow. So one of the things that, one of the things that I'm really interested in is, uh, creating success habits based on what I'm learning from the Power of Habit book by Charles Duhigg, I think is his name. I probably did not say that correctly with a name like you to check. Very few people say my name correctly. So I apologize to you, Mr. Duhigg, if I have said your name wrong. Uh, any, any of... <laughs> Oh, goodness. I got my podcast published for today. I think this was episode 19 that I had published. And uh, I'm feeling really good good with that. And I know that it's going to... There's a certain amount of just publishing for the sake of publishing. Uh, the I think the biggest benefit of this, and I wrote about this in a blog post yesterday where... Uh, there was a story that someone, um, uh, there was a story of a young comedian, and uh, I think his last name was Isaac, and he had an encounter with Jerry Seinfeld, the great comedian, and Jerry said, you know, you'd be a lot better comedian if you wrote more jokes. And if you write more jokes, then your jokes will get better. And then Jerry shared the, as the story goes, Jerry said, what I do is I have a calendar. And then every day I write jokes. And then I write, take a big red marker and I'm doing X on that calendar. And that is my strategy. So I've developed this, this streak of days of writing jokes. And now I've been doing it for so long, the last thing I would ever want to do is not spend time writing jokes each day. And by continually doing writing jokes, I get better. And, and this is a, a good thing. And that, that's one of these things with these habits that we form in our lives. It's such a powerful mechanism that if we want to improve some area of our life, then we figure out what kind of habit to establish. Now, in the, in, uh, the, the Power of Habit book by Charles Duhigg, one of the things that I'm, I was listening to today about it was something that he calls keystone habits. And he gave an example of Alcoa, which is the Aluminum Company of America, and Paul O'Neill became the CEO. And when he took over as CEO, he his primary goal 
was to improve the safety at the company. And a lot of people were, you know, thought he was crazy, you know, because typically the the job of the CEO is to increase, you know, shareholder value, which means the company's more valuable. Well, what ended up happening is by focusing on safety, he was able to dramatically improve the company because anytime there was a safety issue, it indicated that something was broken in some way that the company was operating. And what they what they found is there were keystone habits. And so by focusing on safety, what they what they were able to do is they were able to essentially look at what caused the safety uh, injuries to happen. And then it listed out basically what was broken in the system. And then what they did is they were able to improve the system, which increased effectiveness and efficiency in the company. And profit was a natural byproduct in the company. And uh, he was, Paul and it was tremendously um, effective with this. And prior to his, his career at, uh, at Alcoa, what Paul did is he had a knack for determining one thing that they could focus on to turn the tables in the way that the company operated. And this is that keystone habit. And they gave an example that for people, one of the things, one of the keystone habits that we can, actually, here's two examples of keystone habits. One keystone habit is uh, exercise. What, what research has found is that when people exercise, typically it leads to other improvements in their lives. So if someone exercises, then what ends up happening is they start to eat better. And they start to manage their money better. They start to be more happy. And so if someone would focus on improving, they have less stress. And so if someone focuses on improving their exercise regimen, there's a good likelihood that that person will receive tremendous other improvements in their life. The other thing they talked about that, that was a keystone habit was making your bed, <laughs> which was one thing that I had heard someone say at some point. And I was just like, really making your bed? That's going to change your your life. But they said in this instance, making your bed was one of those, uh, which I found pretty astounding. And finding keystone habits can be a challenge, um, but we know that definitely exercising does improve things. And I will tell you one of the things that I have been guilty of, which I think most um, Americans have challenges with this, is not exercising. And, you know, I used to run quite a bit. I used to run marathons. And then I just got burned out on it. Now what I do is I like to go for a half-hour walk during, during lunch. And now what I've also started doing is that after dinner, I'll go out with the family and we'll um, go for a walk in the neighborhood. And I just started this last week, uh, but I did feel better uh, as a result of that. So that's one of the habits that I'm working on building up is improving my health. And I'm just starting simple because I there is no barrier to entry for me to go 
walking. It is not a chore for me to do that. And so what I'm doing is I'm starting with where I can commit. Uh, I, if I thought about going running, it would just, ugh, I just, ugh, ugh. But walking, it's like, okay, I'll just walk. Because walking is not work for me, but at the same time, it's very good for the health. Um, so with that, I'm working on making improvements to myself personally, and exercise is one of those. And my walking regimen is one of those habits I'm working on improving. So I'm going to end for the day. Uh, I'm feeling less overwhelmed than I did yesterday, and I'm happy for that. And so I'll continue to uh, push along, baby steps, baby steps, and I'll just keep working at it. Have a great day. Bye. That does it for today's show. If you enjoyed the podcast, do two things for me, please. One, subscribe to the Ideal Money Life podcast. And two, tell one person about the show. This is a labor of love for me, and I want to get the message to as many people as possible. Thank you for listening. Ideal Money Life podcasts are for general information purposes only and do not create a CPA, tax advisor, investment, or other professional relationship. You should consult your professional advisors before you apply anything you've learned from this podcast. Remember the wise words of Benjamin Franklin. Your net worth to the world is usually determined by what remains after your bad habits are subtracted from your good ones. Have a great day.